Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. So therefore we ask you tonight to help us. We pray that your words will charge us up and give us renewed strength even in our body. May we re regain our strength, our lost strength. And as we focus on you, help us, my God, to become warriors, people you can rely on to overcome the world and let the purposes of God stand in this dark and confused world. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank the Lord. So today we most likely will complete the series that has gone for, I don't know whether this is part 6 or part 7. Or maybe part 8. Overcoming the world. Amen. So we are going to try and wrap up today. Jesus said in John 16.33, He said, Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So Jesus, by that, gave us a promise that because he has overcome the world, we can also overcome the world. And then Apostle um, John, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, can we project that? 1 John 5, 4, um, he, spoke about, he spoke about how to overcome the world. Can you look at that scripture? Hallelujah to Jesus. First John chapter 5 and verse 4. Let me see if I can pull it from here. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Hallelujah. If you add verse 5. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God. So the scripture is written with a conclusion. Hallelujah. There are certain things in the Bible that the conclusion has been given. So um it's not leaving room for ifs or it's not leaving room for um, it may or may not happen. So let's go back to verse 4. We are trying to complete and wrap this up, overcoming the world. Today we are going to finalize on that. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Your faith is one of those things that you are going to need all the time. Amen. Your faith is like oxygen. There's never a time that you're not going to need oxygen. Amen. And so, the faith with which you come into the kingdom of God, 
you know, because you come to Christ, you become born again by faith. Because it says in the verse 5, let's look at verse 5. Verse 4 talks about you are, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Verse 5 says, for he, who is he who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So, whatever is born of God is he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. So, that is the path by which you get born of God, by believing. And believing is faith. Is that not so? So, the problem is that, you see, you, you, you enter the kingdom of God by faith. But you also need the same faith to continue in the kingdom of God. You don't stop working in faith after you have arrived. Hallelujah. It's a little bit like a, if you uh, take a bus, right? You, use, uh, you, you, you buy a ticket and you enter the bus. I mean, I've not ridden one here in Columbus, but last place, last time I uh, took a bus somewhere else, you know, you, you buy a ticket at the, where the driver is, and then you hold on to the ticket. Amen. Now, you need the ticket to get on the bus, but you also need the ticket to remain in the bus. Hallelujah. Have you heard the story of the guy who went to one of the European countries, I think Switzerland or so, and... Um, he got on the bus without purchasing a ticket. And nobody came to inspect. And he saw a lot of people coming on the bus and just sitting down. So he did that for a while. Do you get it? And one day he called his friend in London. He said, you know, this place is good. Pa. It's like you can just ride buses without um, paying for it. Amen. And one day, whilst he was on the bus, before the bus arrived at the final destination, an inspector came on and was walking around asking for people. Then he realized that not knowing people have this pass they have, they carry in their pockets. Do you get it? And they just randomly check. So what you use to get on the bus is what allows you to remain on the bus. And if you don't continue holding on to it, this guy actually didn't have it. It's not that he had it and left it at home. Because he, he had actually called somebody saying that this country yeah, is like you, you can enjoy bus rides without not knowing that you people have monthly pass that they are putting in their wallets. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? So you see that your faith is something that you keep with you all the time. You don't ever leave it at home. If I certain countries, um, not even your faith, not, not your bus ticket, but even your um, passport has to be on you all the time. Amen. All right. So, um, let's go to Second Corinthians chapter 5. Today we are going to talk about the practical things, the outworking of overcoming the world. Because we've understood what the world is. We've understood that the world is what? It's a wild place. Is that not so? We've understood the world is a wild place that you've been born into. You've also understood that the world is full of wild people. Wild people. We, we learned about, what is his name? Smeagol. The character in the Lord of the Rings. Smeagol is the character who pretends he's helping you, but he's actually choking you. Amen. And, and, and will do anything and everything he can to with you. There are such people in the world. And some of them are actually agents of the devil, direct agents of the devil. Others are just bad people who they don't even know what they are doing, but they are being used by the devil. And these people are real. You can't pretend they are not around. They are. 
And then the world is also what? A bad system that we have come to see. So in terms of overcoming the world, let's start from verse 17. The, the, one of the things that we are learning, and as we are growing in the Lord, we are coming to see that the tools God has given us, there's no other tool somewhere else we are supposed to use. Hallelujah. These are the tools. What has been given us, the, 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 the foundational basic things God has given us, there's nothing else hidden anywhere that we should use. Hallelujah. One day I, I, I was at a meeting, somebody asked a very senior minister whether um, our church, whether there is some other things underground that they are not telling us besides the Bible. Because how come, you know, you are very successful, you have a lot of money. People were even saying in Ghana some time ago that the church has a, a money printing machine. But Bishop said, no, we don't have a money printing machine. We try to save money at every turn that we can, including little, little coins. We count it. Amen. And so, sometimes people are looking for something wild, something out of the ordinary, something that, doesn't, that seems very complicated. But the very simple things that the Word of God has shown us, those are the very things with which we are supposed to overcome the world. Hallelujah. Because as a child born of God, you see, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. How does a person born of God behave? Because, because the born of God is the person. But in overcoming the world, what do you do to overcome the world? That's what we are trying to discuss today. How does a child of God overcome the world? Now, if anyone is in Christ, it's a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So you see, this thing is one of those tricky scriptures. Because it's, we have become so familiar with it. That when you look at yourself, you don't see anything special about you. You don't want to say old things are passed away. You don't see any old thing. You don't see any new thing. Amen. Like there's a song, do something new in my life. Because we've been seeing only the same thing over and over again. So somebody composed a song, do something new in my life. Amen. But the reality of the matter is that when you become a believer, when you become born again, you see your status in the realm of the spirit is a promotion. And when you are walking around, those demons who are working with people and all that, they actually notice who you are. It is we who don't believe who we are. Hallelujah. The time has come for somebody to finally believe the book. I mean, the word of God. Like, like one day, we need to wake up and say, everything that God has been saying has been true all along. Except that we are, we are believing half of it and not half of it. Hallelujah. So look at it. Let's continue down. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. This scripture is describing our commission. Verse 17 describes our state, right? Anyone who is born again, anyone who is in Christ, is a new creation. If all things are passed away. You are a new species of being. So what? What next? Here it says that God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. This scripture is for believers. Hallelujah. God has given to us the ministry of reconciliation. So, in terms of overcoming the world, we are trying to paint the context within which we are to overcome the world. In overcoming the world, it is in the execution of our Christian duty or, or the commission God has given us that there is something called the ministry of reconciliation. God wants to reconcile the world to himself. Next verse. That God was in Christ 
reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. So you see, this world that we are trying to overcome, because we are talking about overcoming the world, that same world that is antagonistic to God, fighting the cause of God, God in Christ has already concluded that he's not going to hold it to the account. He's going to use us to reconcile the world back to him. Now, this is something we need to embrace. Hallelujah. Because, you see, if you don't embrace your role, then overcoming the world is, becomes meaningless. Hallelujah. It's no more, it doesn't have a purpose to it. You're overcoming the world for, for what? Do you know people overcome different things for different reasons? Like, like um, um, the people in Europe, there are places where are very, very, very cold. But they, ha- they have overcome the environment in order to survive there. Do you get it? Um, when you go to places, there are places where, I think, uh, is it Japan? There's some, 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 some place in Asia where the land, there's very little land. Most people actually live on water. There's, they don't have a lot of land compared to the population size. Amen. And they've been able to overcome that in order to live. Hallelujah. Every time you're overcoming, it has to be with a purpose. Amen. Because, because if there is no purpose, then there's no need to go through any difficulty. If you find yourself at a place where there's nothing, um, you know, worthwhile, then the difficulties don't make sense. The difficulties that we talked about in the world, the only t- reason why we need to strive to overcome is because we have been given an assignment by God. Hallelujah. He says, he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. So every Christian, as you are walking around, you must know that you are here on a special assignment from God. As a matter of fact, you must see yourself as a missionary from heaven. It's like you've been sent. Amen. God himself has sent you with a mission. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Hallelujah. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So we are ambassadors for Christ. We are missionaries from heaven. God has sent us from heaven with a mission. Hallelujah. As a believer, you must understand that your life on earth has this ultimate purpose. That when you have this clear in your mind, then when you are facing difficulties, you have to remember what you are here for. Hallelujah. All right. Let's look at Luke chapter 17 and verse 21. Luke 17, 21. The primary weapon, because we are talking about how do we now overcome the world. God has given us certain weapons. Now we learn that you have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son. First of all, when Christ came, his, his first message he started preaching. He said, repent. And what, what did he say in, after that? The kingdom of God is what? At hand. Hallelujah. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Change the way you think. Because the kingdom of God is at hand. Now when it says at hand, it means what? It means it's near. Because it's, when somebody 
somebody is holding something, it's very near them. Hallelujah. So the kingdom of God is at hand. It means that the kingdom of God is near. Something new is coming in the earth. Now you and I, we learn from Second Corinthians that we are ambassadors of heaven. We are ambassadors of Christ. God is seeking to reconcile the world to himself. But God needs us to be the mediator. Hallelujah. In this contest, we are going to be faced with difficulties. Have you tried to separate two people fighting before? If you are trying to separate two people fighting, you must be willing to receive some of the blows. If you love your skin too much, you can't do this thing. Because sometimes even somebody, as you tell them to hold off, some of the very dangerous guys, they will be quiet like as if they've understood and they, are, they draw back, move away. You th- then he lifts a chair and throws at, he's uh, trying to, th- because as he's withdrawing, he's taking plans, what to do next. And you, the one in the middle, if you don't take care, it will smash your head. So being an ambassador of Christ is, is not going to be without difficulty. Hallelujah. I mean, as a pastor, I've tried to reconcile people, sometimes a marital couple, and I end up being accused by both sides. Sometimes, as a pastor, the wife is saying that it seems you're on my husband's side. And then the same couple, the husband is also saying, it seems you're on my wife's side. If I'm not seeing this as my calling, that my role is to bring peace here, to be a peacemaker, and to be a reconciler of people, I'm going to be getting aggressive. I mean, you, where do I know you from? I mean, take yourself. Let me walk away. But I am I'm willing to be what? insulted if it will bring peace. Do you get it? Because Apostle Paul said that we are the offscoring of all things. That, that can give way. Offscoring is like, a, it's like a, when it rains a lot and in certain countries where they don't have a good uh, drainage system. I don't know whether you've seen some of those countries before. <laughs> where there are a lot of dirt flowing down a gutter. Do you get it? When it flows from, from, from a smaller gutters and it joins a bigger gutter and it joins a much bigger one. By the time you get to the largest gutter, that is the off-scoring. Like, like the dirtiest of the water is there. And Apostle Paul said that as ambassadors of Christ, he said that is who we are. Because our Lord Jesus Christ, he was insulted. Amen. He was disgraced. He was lied about. But if we understand our purpose, that is not a problem at all because we are living not for here. We are living for eternity. We are living for a better life to come. Hallelujah. Have you heard the expression, it's a dirty job, but somebody's got to do it? That's us. Amen. And so it says, Luke 17, 21. It says, some people are going to ask, where is the kingdom of God? Because Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. It means it is near, right? One day somebody came to Jesus and said, what should I do to be saved? What should I do to be saved? And then um, he said, you know the commandments, you know. That shall not steal, that shall not covet, that shall not commit adultery. He said, I've done all those things. Jesus said, you are very near the kingdom. Hallelujah. Now, when Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand, it's not only at hand, but in this verse, it says, see here or see there, for indeed, the kingdom of God is within you. Amen. One of the fundamental ways of overcoming the world is to know and believe that the kingdom of God is within you. That the kingdom of God is not out somewhere. Because Christ in you is the hope of glory. We have to believe the same things that the word of God has been telling us. As you are standing and you are speaking. You see, you are not on your own. You are connected to Christ. Amen. I mean, if, you're, if there's a problem with a, with a utility in the house. 
and maybe the bill, the bill is in the the utility service is in the name, maybe maybe may in the name of the husband. Do you get it? And the husband has traveled to Wisconsin, and there's a problem with uh, electricity in the house. The wife can call the electricity corporation. Is that not so? Because of the connection, you can call electricity corporation and say, "Well, the, the, we have paid our bills, but there's a problem." I cannot call electricity corporation on, on the account in your house. Amen. I'm not. I mean, you are my friend, but you, I can't cause the electricity corporation and complain about electricity. But Teresa can do that because she has the power of attorney. Do you get it? Her, her name may not be in account, but she has the power because she is married to you. Are you listening to me? So because of our union with Christ, we must believe that one, he says that the kingdom of God is within you. The king lives in you. We are talking about how do we overcome the world? How do we make it in a world full of opposition? Hallelujah. When Jesus said the kingdom of God is here in some, uh, some of the gospels, he says that, he said the kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of, it says kingdom of heaven because, you see in the Lord's prayer, it says that will be done what? On earth as it is in heaven. The, 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 the kingdom of heaven is like the influence of heaven or God's atmosphere in heaven coming down to earth. And you and I are the agents. You and I are the people who are supposed to bring heaven to earth. So you see, when you see something that doesn't look like God, that doesn't look like the, the atmosphere of God, you must know that, you see, God lives in you. And you are an extension of God. So the kingdom of God is within you. It means that if you face a situation where it's not in conformity with God's will or God's purpose, you are God's agent to change it. Hallelujah. We are always looking for somebody else. Right? We are always looking for somebody else. Will somebody do this? But you are that somebody. Hallelujah. And so, let's keep in mind that in overcoming the world, the primary agent that God is using is the believer who actually believes in the book, believes in the word of God. There is nothing new that God is about to say. Amen. What God wants to say, he's, he's already said it. Now look at this scripture. Romans. Romans chapter 8. We are talking about overcoming the world. The world is a wild place. The world is full of wild people. And the world is full of wild systems that don't support God. Romans 8 and start from verse 28. We are looking at the tools with which to overcome the world. And we started talking about how the person that overcomes the world is the person that is born of God. First John 5, 4. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Don't allow yourself to be overwhelmed by this world. Amen. Don't allow anything to overwhelm you because you are the primary candidate. If there's a problem, you are the one to solve it. Don't shy away from problems. Don't, don't allow anything to overwhelm you that this is too much for you. No. First Corinthians 10, 13 said that God will not let anything come to you that is more than you can bear. Hallelujah. The problem is that we don't believe it completely. We only believe part of it. And we know Say it again. <laughs> we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. Is there anyone who loves God here? If you love God, this verse is for you. Hallelujah. Have you ever been at a place where they are singing a song, right? And you don't know all the words of the song. So, and if you don't take any, they put you on the front seat. As they are singing, and maybe there's a camera, 
Maybe uh, Reverend Kata is having a program that you are invited. And then they, you are on the front seat. And then there's a cameraman recording the program. And as the song is going on, you don't know a lot of the words of the song. So you are going. But then when sometimes a chorus in the song arises, that as for this one, you know, you get it. So when it gets to the chorus, that you, well, it is now your time that Lord, this one is for me. Do you get it? At that time, you are praying that the cameraman will be pointing at you. <laughs> Amen. Because you, you wish that every time the chorus arises, he has finished taking the coverage here and he's now on you. Because when the program is being watched on the video, you want to see that, the people to see that, yes, you were in the thing. Amen. This is your chance. When, if the, you let the chorus also pass and you don't sing with strength, you have, you have, you have, you have hurt yourself. Are you following what I'm saying? So, you see, there are some verses that are not for us. When you read some verses, it's not every verse in the Bible that is for you. Do, you. do you know that? There are some verses that have been written for some other people. But these verses, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. If you know you love God, this is your chorus. This is your verse. This is for you. And so you must believe it. Don't believe anything else. Now, that many things are not working well the way you want it. And, and, and you are getting discouraged, right? You, 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 are, you, you are losing heart. When you lose heart, it begins to affect your physical body. Do you know that when you get discouraged, all of a sudden you lose energy? Like you don't have energy for something. When you have joy, when you have hope, a strength comes. Hallelujah. It says, for, for good for those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. You are, as a believer, you are called. We already read it in 2 Corinthians 5. That God was in Christ in reconciling the world, the world unto himself. So you see, there is no special group of people somewhere that God is looking at all. When God is in heaven and he blinks like this, he's looking down. Who is he looking for? He's looking for us. Why is he looking for us? Because his son Christ is in us. Hallelujah. You see, Christ Jesus, God loved him so much that he didn't, he, he couldn't have enough of him. And God said, you know what, I'm going to duplicate you. I'm going to make a copy of you. So that everywhere I turn, I see Christ. That's the believer. The believer is being formed in the image of Christ. And so God doesn't have any special people that he likes. Don't ever think that God doesn't like you. I mean, by believing Christ and accepting Christ, one, you have not even seen him. You are a very special person to God. Hallelujah. And so when God is giving a promise in the world, you must believe it. You must believe it with your full strength. There is no, there is no uh, tricks around it. Okay? Let's go to the next verse. We are talking about how to overcome. How to, we, in overcoming the world, it starts with a mindset we need to have. The first of all, after we are born again, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, you are a new creation. All things are passed away. And now you have received a commission from God. That God has made us ambassador, his ambassador. An ambassador is a very important person. You represent a whole kingdom. Hallelujah. Even very, very small countries, less than 200,000 people. If he's recognized as a country in the United Nations, and they send an ambassador to this place, the, the government of the U.S. has to respect them. Hallelujah. An ambassador represents a kingdom. So if we, you and I are ambassadors of God, we, we carry with us the full badge of heaven. And we must believe that. Hallelujah. For whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Hallelujah. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. So hold on to this scripture. When you meet somebody and they have only one child, 
And they say, oh, meet my firstborn. What are they trying to tell you, Brother Ishmael? They are not done. More are on the way. Do you get it? When they say, this is my firstborn, it means more are on the way. One day I met some people, I think they had three children or so. And then I, I, I said, uh, that youngest, I said, oh, so is this your last one? And the woman said, no, Rev, don't use the word last one. We are not done. I said, usually hey, it's the man who, who uh, is the woman who tries to avoid having more. But the woman, she was almost angry with me. Why are you saying the last one? We are not done. So Jesus Christ, he might be God's intent that Christ will be what? The firstborn among many brethren. So in God's mind, Christ was the firstborn, and we are the what? Second, the following. So, so if Christ is the firstborn, we are in the same class of being as Christ. Amen. We are in the same. If Christ is our brother, you are a very important person. Look at it. God foreknew us. This scripture is loaded. God foreknew us. In other words, in eons of eternity past, you get it, Brother Charles. Eons of eternity past, God knew that one day you'll be born in a certain year, a certain day. And then of all the people that you are growing up with, some of them are not serious with God. Some of them are not, don't, don't take the gospel seriously. God knew that you will believe it, the word of God. Hallelujah. That's what foreknowledge means. So because God knew you are going to fall in line with the word and accept it, he predestined you, he predestined you to be conformed to the image of his son. So God's plan is that we be changed into the image of Christ. Hallelujah. That's our destiny. We are entitled to it. Next verse. Moreover, whom he predestined, the people that he saw ahead and he predestined, he also called them. And whom he called, he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. That's our destiny. Foreknowledge, predestination, calling, justification, and glorification. That's our destiny. Hallelujah. So that when we come to the, this crazy world and all that it comes at us with confusion and discouragement and, 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 and a feeling of not fitting, fitting in, a feeling of not having what it takes to, be, to belong to the world, we must know that that's only half the story. This is our destiny. That God Almighty has seen us ahead before you were born. And he has already predestined you. Hallelujah. So that don't believe the story that the world is telling you. That's not you. The real you is what the word of God is telling you. Hallelujah. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Hallelujah. If God is for us, who can be against us? There's nothing that is stronger than God. There is no, if God is for us, who can be against us? So then walk with confidence. Don't walk with your shoulders down like this and walk with like you are scared. Walk with confidence knowing that there is no one who can be against you. It doesn't mean that you are arrogant or proud or whatever, but don't feel intimidated by anyone or anything because you are precious. Hallelujah. Now, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son. You see, he's building a case. He's building a thesis. He's building a case that he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Hallelujah. Because you see, 
His, his precious son is the highest thing of the greatest worth to him. And he didn't spare him. For our sake, he gave him up. Hallelujah. Very soon it shall be Good Friday. Hallelujah. That on the day that Pilate wanted to set Christ free. Pilate said he wanted to have a reason to set Christ free. Because his wife had sent him a WhatsApp message. When he sat on the, on the, on the judgment seat and he looked at the situation, he examined Christ. He said, the man is innocent. And the wife sent the WhatsApp message and said, listen, this man, be very careful because last night I had a terrible nightmare about him. It looks like they, we are about to condemn an, an innocent person. So Pilate wanted to have a way to let him go. So finally he pulled one trick. Every season, every uh, um, Passover, you people, we can give amnesty. We can, we can let somebody go that the people choose. So he pulled that up, hoping that the people would say, let Christ go. Do you get it? But the Bible says that the chief priests and the elders, they forced the people to say, give us Barabbas. Give us Bar Barabbas was a murderer and a robber. Hallelujah. And they rather said, release Barabbas. Then he said, that if I release Barabbas, what should I do with Jesus, the son of God? They said, crucify him. Pilate did everything he could. Hallelujah. But you see, this was of God's plan. Because if it was not God's plan, it couldn't have happened. And so God allowed Christ to suffer. And if God, the most precious thing, he is willing to give that thing up. Then the thing that you need from God, compared to the, val the value of Christ's life, which one is higher? So that's what the scripture is saying. that If God does not spare his own son, but he delivered him up for you and for me. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So in other words, God is not a trickster. He's not, he doesn't have any tricks up his sleeve. Hallelujah. He doesn't have anything to hide because he has given it all. He has given the best and, and, and everything that he could give. So he, as, as a matter of fact, he has nothing else to hide. Amen. Next verse. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Keep going. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? We are talking about how to overcome the world. What, you see, it's a mindset you need to have. Understand that you are a unique person born into this world with a mission from God. You are a missionary from God. Hallelujah. And then in this mission, you are going to have difficulties. That's what we studied last few weeks. The difficulties in the world. The things that will try and stifle the life out of you. Whereby you feel like you don't even want to live. Second Corinthians chapter 1. It got to a point. Apostle Paul said that we did not even want to live anymore. Can you believe it? Apostle Paul who wrote and said rejoice and again I say unto you rejoice. Such a person could come to a place where he didn't want to live anymore. That means that the difficulties in the world, they are real. Amen. Which also means that look. When somebody is telling you their problem, please don't look down on it. Don't belittle it. Hallelujah. When somebody is going through something and they are telling you, sometimes we use scriptures to beat people up. Have you heard it before? Like you are trying to describe how you are feeling about a situation, and they won't, the person won't even let you finish describing the thing. Then they will quote scriptures upon scriptures. Are you there? Sometimes as believers, we beat each other up with the word of God. Sometimes you need to let the person pour their heart out and say everything. And sometimes it's not the multiplicity of the scripture. Sometimes it's just one verse. And the verse must be said with a heart of empathy. Otherwise, the verse will not serve its purpose. Hallelujah. Are you with me? 
And so look at it. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The thing that ultimately overcomes is our confidence in the love of Christ. And our, our confidence in the love of God. That is what gives you strength. Amen. I mean, you can have, you can have uh, somebody report to a lady that the husband is cheating. That the husband, the way he relates with women, the way, I mean, you, 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 you are blind, we are telling you. You can have that situation arise. Whereby so many different things are going on and every person the husband relates to, people are reporting that the man is doing something wrong. Amen. But if you have a woman who is so confident in the love that the man has for him, do you get it? None of these things is going to work. In fact, you can have the man hug a lady and do the, how do you call it? Do you know there are different types of hugs? Where somebody can hug with a shoulder. But then you can also have a hug where after the hug, there's a rubbing at the back. And then there's a lifting of the foot at the back like this. Do you get it? And there's a hug, there's a different length in different hugs. A man, a woman who has so much confidence in the love that the husband has for, 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 for her. It doesn't matter what the man will do. Whatever you say, she won't believe it. Hallelujah. This is the death of the confidence we must have in the love of Christ. That no matter what we are going through, it doesn't mean God has abandoned us. Amen. Who, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation. So he's beginning to give a list. These are the description of how life is in the earth. Amen. Tribulation is one of the things in the world that we are seeking to overcome. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword. Now these things are not just, he's not just trying to be poetic. He's trying to use nice words to write a story. No. These are real things people face through in the, in the world. We are talking about overcoming the world. And what is the primary key that will make us endure? We are talking about endurance. Hallelujah. One day a certain man of God, he met some young people in his church. Young people who love God and very, very enthusiastic. He said, you know what? Let's make an appointment at this restaurant. He mentioned the name of the restaurant. He said, let's make an appointment to have lunch at this restaurant. Let's say the year was uh, 2007. Let's plan on meeting in the year 2027. And he set the date. Let's make an appointment in the 20 years time that we are going to meet at this restaurant and sit down for lunch. And if we meet at that time and we are eating and I ask you and you are still in the Lord and you are still happy and vibrant, full of joy for the Lord, then I will, I will know that you are for real. Are you following the, the analogy? A lot of times it's about not how you are feeling today. It's about whether you would endure, whether you will last. And the things that make people not last is that they cannot beat the list here. They cannot, tribulation will come, okay? Distress, life is full of distresses, disappointments. And these things sometimes make people begin to question, does God even love me? That, is God really on my side? We have to remember these scriptures when we come to those moments. That Christ, God who did not spare his own son, why would he not give you all things? And if whatever is delayed, it does not mean you should question the love of God. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine? Because for somebody, it's not persecution, but it's famine. 
Amen. Or nakedness. In other words, not having enough clothes. In the winter, Paul, who was writing this, he had experienced all this. Hallelujah. In fact, a lot of his letters, do you know he wrote them when he, in prison? He was in prison when he was writing them. In fact, when he was writing Philippians, when he was telling the Philippians in Philippians chapter 4, he said, rejoice, and again, unto, I say unto you, rejoice. He was, he was in prison when he was writing that. How many of us, in the midst of a Philippian, uh, uh, of a Roman jail, where, where uh, how do you call it, uh, I hear mice were roaming around in the jail, nibbling on people's toes. How many in that condition will be able to write and say, rejoice? When Paul uh, and Silas were, were beaten up in this city, I forget the name of the city, in Acts uh, 16 or so, in fact, they stoned him and left them for dead. But the Bible said the Lord would raise them again. When, they, when, you, when we get out from that situation, where do you go? Where should you go, logically? Go home. I mean, if you go, something bad happens to you outside. Where do you go? Is it not home? Where you have some comfort. Paul told Silas, let us go back and encourage the churches. Hallelujah. There must be something within that drives you. There must be something within that makes you relentless, unwilling to give up, that there's nothing that can take away your, your continual faith. Because, you see, when you know you are loved by God, that is the greatest and the best thing. But it comes by believing. That is why the foundation scripture is what? First John 5, 4. What is it that overcomes the world? Even our faith. God may love you, but you may not believe it. One of the saddest things, one of the, one of the most difficult things is to convince somebody that you love them. Like, I mean, what else do you want me to do? I've done it's Valentine's Day flowers. Uh, Dubai, I've taken you to Dubai. But then sometimes the woman will still say, do you really love me? Do you get it? Because the man is running out of ideas. He's done everything. Because if somebody doesn't believe that you love them, it's a very difficult situation. And that's why many believers are. That, that thing of not believing God loves us, it is hurting God. So the scripture is emphasizing that the love of Christ is stronger than distress, tribulation, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. Now, you realize that the thing ends in death. Because sword is, is not for cutting cheese. The sword there is not for cutting cheese. It's actually <laughs> being killed. Because, because, you know how, that's how, it's interesting that Paul is writing this. I don't know how many years before he died. But did you know how he died? He died by being beheaded. Roman citizens, you couldn't crucify them. Crucifixion was for non-citizens. Because it's a very gruesome way to, of capital punishment. So, so Peter was not a citizen. So Peter was crucified. But Paul was beheaded. So as he's giving this list, I wonder whether he knew that the sword was coming for him some years later. But the bottom line is that he died in the Lord. Hallelujah. Knowing that this life is not everything that there is. Next verse. We are going to the end of the chapter. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So keep in mind, it keeps on repeating love. Through Christ who loved us, that is where our strength lies. We are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. 38. For I am persuaded, I am convinced, I am very sure that neither death nor life, hallelujah, 
There comes another list. Death, nor life. Two extremes. Nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers. Nor things present, nor things to come. Nor height, nor death. Nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah. Is that the last verse in chapter 8? Amen. So, in overcoming the world, number one, know who you are. You are Christ. You belong to Christ. You are a new creation. Number two, you have a purpose, a mission. We are ambassadors for Christ. We are missionaries here. This earth is not our home. We are pilgrims. We are passing through. The world is a wild place full of wild people and the wild system. But we shouldn't let it get to us because we are a divine group of people sent by God to accomplish his purposes. And God has demonstrated his love for us by giving us Christ. What else do we want? Hallelujah. What does, one day a certain uh, uh, husband chased his wife to the restroom. You know what I mean. He, he's been chasing her around the house, chasing and chasing and chasing. And a woman wants to, a, a quiet place to, to sit and, and, and relax a little. And the woman, the man chased him over there. It was becoming too much. And so one day the woman called the pastor. He said, Pastor, I know that my husband loves me, but it's becoming too much. In the restroom, he's chasing me there. What does he want? What else does he want? Amen. Are you listening to me? There comes a time you must know that the person has given all that they can give. And God has given all that he can give in Christ. There's nothing else he can give beyond Christ. Or that is more valuable than Christ. And so, in this picture, we are going to conclude that how do we use this? The mind that God loves us, the mind that we belong to Christ, now begins to become a strength with which to pray. Hallelujah. We pray from a position of strength, not from a position of a beggar. We come to God in Hebrews 4, 16, that we come to God boldly because of who we know we are in Christ. And then in Mark eleven twenty two, now we're going to end in Mark eleven twenty two. There's two powerful ways to express our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? He that is born of God. What do people that are born of God do? They pray and they issue authoritative commands of the word of God. Mark 11, 20. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Once again, faith is mentioned as a way of life. Hallelujah. Have faith in God. When you have faith in God, you're going to believe God loves you. Hallelujah. Believing God loves you means makes everything that comes at you unable to weaken your faith, unable to kill your interest, unable to crush you. Because you know that the love of God is stronger than all of them. Continue. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. At 24. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Once again, he's talking about believing, faith. So you see, verse 24 is talking about prayer, where you are asking God. Hallelujah. Verse 24, how do you overcome the world? By faith. How do you express your faith? By praying, by prayer. The world is full of hard systems, difficult people. You pray against them. You pray against their plans. You pray for God to give you grace to overcome a wild place, living in a wild place. But your prayer must be with what? With faith not doubting. 
But let's go to verse 23 because verse 23 is not about prayer. I said, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, when you pray, who do you speak to? Is God a mountain? So when you say to this mountain, what are you doing? Are you praying? You are not praying. You are speaking to the mountain. The mountain is like an obstacle or a situation before you. In the expressing of our faith, he said, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. How do you exercise the faith? By prayer and by issuing authoritative commands of faith. Hallelujah. You said to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea. And does not doubt in his heart. So, believers, we know how to pray. But it's not everything that calls for prayer. Sometimes you need to speak to the situation. Hallelujah. And you need to speak to the situation by faith. You can speak to the situation by faith after you have hung out with God's word for a long time. That the word looks bigger to you than the problem. When the word begins to look bigger and more real to you than the problem, when you speak, it will work. But if you are speaking like the guy who was in a school play and he was, he's afraid of heights and they made him do the angel Gabriel in the school play, a uh, uh, Christmas play. A child who is afraid of heights and you make him do angel Gabriel and they had this rope from the ceiling and he had the wings on, he's supposed to slide down the rope. Do you get it? And he's supposed to come down and say, be not afraid. To who? To the uh, shepherds. Do you get it? As he's sliding down, be not afraid. He himself, he's afraid. So he's saying, be not afraid. And then he threw up. Because, first of all, he's afraid of heights. Number two, he's coming down, sliding down. And the person who is telling them, be not afraid, he rather was afraid. And he threw up on the, on the school, on the, on, the, on the children. So when we talk of speaking the word of God authoritatively, it's not just reciting it like a parrot. But it's that the word must be bigger to you than the problem. And this is how we overcome. We overcome by believing God loves us. We overcome by using our faith. And we use our faith in prayer and declaring the word of the Lord. Put your hands together unto the Lord. Let us rise up and begin to thank the Lord as we get ready to take an offering. Take out a good offering. If we know how to do test to give, let's do that so that we avoid the counting. Father, we give you thanks. We bless you. We adore you. And we thank you for bringing us to the end of this series. Now we bring to you also our offerings in faith and thanksgiving, knowing that you will use it to advance your purposes. We are asking you also to multiply the seed being sown, Lord, even as we give. It shall be given back to us, good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. In the name of Jesus. Amen.